Good morning, Soraya. Good morning, Jeff. Today we are we are welcoming back a couple guests. Absolutely, we're welcoming back not only Petrified Max members of Petrified Max, but we're also welcoming back our good friend Howie Cohen to talk about a new release and maybe two new releases if we want to count the single. We have to count <laughs> the single. So yes, two new releases. Damn, uh, pandemic be damned. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to be talking about the year gone by. So, Jeff, let's get it started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. Morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I don't know if you can hear me. <laughs> Absolutely, Venus. We got you. What about you, Howie? here and, and see just fine. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh, okay. That's one problem. <laughs> and there's the last. Yeah, but hold on. Well, two of them. I... <laughs> 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 I heard that. I heard that rim shot. <laughs> Do you hear me say, where the fuck is the fucking fucking this and fucking that? Look at all those guitars just slammed in a corner. Good God. <laughs> I know. That looks like a tour ready to happen back there. Could be. <laughs> Jeff, I think if we nudge uh, them in the right way, we may be able to do that. Play in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, we got nowhere else to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your party. Sure. <laughs> so Soraya and I were just talking about that we're very excited to welcome you both back because there's some new projects that we wanted to talk about and. Um, we have a very special co-host today with Mr. Cohen, Howie, um, yeah, our, our mutual super fan. <laughs> but we wanted to walk through some of your guys' new material. And uh, first of all, how are you both doing? Good. I'm up. I'm upright. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, a, this is a good Thank thing. Thank you for doing this, you guys. This is really fun. Yeah, we're very excited because hearing new music. But Soraya, we wanted to start off with a single, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay, so the single, Lucky Couple, backside, uh, the B-side is Thimble of Sun. Okay, so I've got to ask the B side. Yeah. Tell us where that title comes from, because that's a little bit of a tongue twister for me. Thimble of Sun. That's as Vetus's. All right, Vetus. Yeah, you got to sing that fast a whole bunch of times. Um, <laughs> that would not be the hook in the song. Uh, no, it's just a little love song for my best friend Shannon, and she's you know things. One way to look at it, you know, the past few months, the year, whatever, hasn't been all that rosy. 
And it's just an outtake from the record. I wrote three songs for her. Two of them are already on the record. The third one became the B-side. It was just a process of elimination. But she's like this, you know, ray of sunshine. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Uh, we're trying to remember. Uh, can you guys remind us where the name of the band came from? Could you Have remind you us? I've done some visual art over the years and I had a piece called Petrified Max. It, it was a, a it was a photograph, I think, that reminded me of a Max Ernst painting called Petrified Forest. So I called it Petrified Max. And when we were searching around for a name, I was just desperately going through anything I could think of, including old uh, uh, titles of works. And that one popped out as a possible band name. I love it. And uh, a lot of the promo things that we're seeing online use the get smart characters. So that's <laughs> that that's perfect. You know, Another we match. were both in a band that made a very poor choice of handle when it came to search engines and the internet, which obviously was not something that was on the horizon. Yeah, we right. stupidly named yeah. the band The Last. So yeah. <laughs> you cannot search for that band. And I think it was Danny Nolte posted, you know, footage or whatever you call it of himself searching for his brother's band, The Last, and not being able to find it with Google or anything. It's very frustrating and it's high speed. You know, you cannot get to the band, The Last. And, and humorously, <laughs> when uh, they're getting ready to reissue Look Again, and all of a sudden, you know, which music is involved, all these people that would have nothing to do with us for years, you're like, okay, we'll put this out. And they come up against seven other bands called The Last are on Bandcamp, okay? So there are other seven bands that made the same mistake we did, stupidly. <laughs> years later, these 40 years later, these people are still doing the same stupid thing, calling their band The Last, you know? You just, the the is a better choice, you know? Because you put it in twice, maybe <laughs> somebody could find it. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> Petrified Max, we show up. Yeah, but, it, yeah. And, and so the point was to come up with something that would jump out, you know? search engine and wouldn't get lost you know joe joe once said the only the only name worse than the last was all <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it wouldn't even again another another bunch of you know what would what would also be difficult for a search engine and if you if you changed your band name every time you played yeah that's a oh, that's that a probably wouldn't too. work either i, I think <laughs> somebody was going to do that i can't remember who <laughs> Sounds familiar. Vetus, I think you're the guilty party here. I'm afraid so. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah, well, for 10 years, we were trying to make it in the music business. We wanted a major label to put out our record. By the time I quit that band, I wanted to do just the opposite. I want to make sure that we weren't wasting our time trying to get the attention for people that wanted nothing to do with our music. So we just, you know, there's, there's no attempt at a commercially viable product here. That was the Trotsky, you know, motto. Yeah. Let's fail. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, fail everybody. Come on. Yeah. No pretense. <laughs> well, and one of the main one of the main videos. Venus didn't didn't you insult uh, MTV at the end? <laughs> I, yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, it, you'd have to go back and look at it. But it's a good way not to get your music covered by MTV. <laughs> All right, Jeff. We're we're searching that down. We're searching that down. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Unless Howie already knows of it. 
Uh, damn, not off the top of my head. My favorite Trotsky videos are the ones where somebody else like took some completely unrelated video and sent it to the music. So that's usually me. No, there's no <laughs> those really cool ones are by somebody else. The Russian black and white film futuristic movie set to uh, Marvista bus stop it is just brilliant. That's yeah, how I just name. posted that today. Well, that was oh, somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Let's fail. Yeah. So the Lucky Couple wasn't the only release that you guys put out in January of last month. We also have the full-length Year Gone By that was released at the end of the month. And I believe physical copies are going to be sent out this, week, this month? This week. This week, really, yeah. I've got a bunch over here. Yeah. He's the man. So you guys, you must be feeling very productive during this time because within 12 mm -hmm. months there's a single and two cd releases yeah we didn't have to play live <laughs> we are yeah it's, that's the thing you know there's not there's nothing else we to were do. we were banned from john frank's basement because you know we obviously carry the virus so but you know it was just going to be wally and i doing stuff john and i doing stuff and I thought people didn't feel safe with the virus and stuff, but Johnny Bell has a few people in the studio, keeps a close wrap on things. We take good care of ourselves. The three of us go in there and it's, it's usually first takes. You know, we spend some time gumming around with background vocals and fixing guitars, but basically everything on those two albums is the first take. And the songs are new songs, except for the one last song. Everything else is a new song that we come up with. We figure out this is the arrangement. We go and we just track it and then make it work. And it, there, we recorded about 15, 16 songs for each of those records. And we took the 10 that stuck and then we had some little bonus track to bring to 11. Nice, nice. So I did want to mention that's the same lineup, you three. So Vetus Wally and Danny Frankel. And then you returned to the, the same uh, studio, right? With Johnny Bell that you did for Charlie Drove North. So, I mean, that was such a success. Why not, why not do the same thing, right? Right. I love working there. I love working with Johnny. Um, and, you know, he's a really, really good bass player. He plays all whatever instrument you want. He can play it. He understands the arrangements. He understands what we're doing. He's a big fan of the whole SST scene, you know, that inspired him. And you walk in and you realize you're dealing with someone that, you know, loves Mike Watt, loves Husker. Uh, meat puppets, all that stuff. We speak the same language there, but he also knows all the 60s psychedelia stuff. And, you know, he would be part of this roundtable discussion here and he would he'd fit right in. It's a similar taste, similar inspiration, and just a, a good knowledge of all kinds of pop music. Love working with him. So going in there is like hanging out with, with old friends and the recording process is natural. And we don't go in there, okay, we're going to do this record. We just go, let's try these songs out, Wally. And it's very organic. So was there any difference between recording Year Gone By versus um, what you did with Charlie Drove North or pretty much? The well, the yeah, the process was the same. Um, musicians were the same. We didn't call in any anybody extra this time. Um, so it's a little more stripped down. No cello, no banjo, uh, nothing like that. But other than that, yeah, the process was, was uh, pretty much exactly the same. I'm not remembering any differences. We had guests on the first record, and there were, the horn arrangements were important. And we met that guy through Johnny that played a wicked banjo 
it made that one song really cook. That session was great fun. But the second record really is just the three of us. And Johnny himself filled in some stuff with hand claps and played an organ part and did little tidbits here when we needed someone to help us complete an arrangement. So it was a self-contained unit. Um, and you know, <laughs> if Johnny Bell were available, we could play this stuff live because he's an excellent bass player and we, we could get all the parts and actually make these songs sound really good as just a, a four piece. Uh, obviously there's other people we can talk to, but playing live is something that we're really looking forward to. And we need to figure out who's actually, you know, willing to do embarrass themselves and go on the stage with us and play this stuff. But uh, really, <laughs> really want to. And when the COVID dies down, we have to figure out what, what the Trotsky guys are going to do. But for me right now, this kind of comes first. Whereas that's wow. gone to a head and there's so many recorded, al uh, you know, album tracks by Trotsky that are just sitting at Johnny Bell's right now. And at Johnny Bell's, we're working on the remix. We've got it uh, all transferred and baked down and it's just hours and hours of stuff. The Baby album, we're doing that one right now. And we're working on the first uh, set of recordings by the last and it turns out that we had 84 tracks to sift through. And they're mostly different songs, but that's the uh, Dissected Cats record that we're working on, which is the original Sheet and Why I'm Here. All the stuff before the single has all been mastered, has all been transferred and baked, baked and transferred by David Nolte. And that's at Johnny Bell's as well. So there's a lot of surgery going on right now. I don't know what's gonna get finished next. But every now and then when we go down there, we feel like, you know what? John and I have a new song. So <laughs> that stuff on side one of whatever it is is gonna wait a little longer today, we're gonna do this. Yeah, so we have a lot of things going on, it's really fun. I'm here watching Jeff and Soraya just go, wow, yeah. like I am. As I heard, too, and like, okay, this is about Petrified Max, but I think, I think I just heard three more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it begs the question now, John and Venus, does, are you telling us there's even more Petrified Max that we can expect? John's writing, you well, know, and the problem is we gotta try to keep yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, we're in the writing stage now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, we probably have seven songs kicking around if you add up everything. Wow. Yeah. Pandemic be damned. Yeah. It's time to go play live. It's just, it really is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're yeah, ready. Yeah. So that's, that's a th it is just going to be a timing thing. I mean, if, if it, it, I don't know, to me, it looks like live music is still a long way off. You know, and, and, and if that's the case, then, you know, we'll have an album full of songs ready to go record in a couple months. And, and I want to do a Christmas record. We'll probably do that. It is, it is supposed to do a Christmas record. A whole album or you have just a song? Know. A just single, a album. an EP, an album. I don't know. But um, I have all these tunes that would lend themselves to a weird warped holiday music. Wow. I don't think it'll ever happen, but it's okay for me. It's like a Duncan experiment. It's something that I've got up here, but I'd love to do it. Yeah. I hope that happens. It needs to happen. Not a whole thing. Petrified Max holiday record. <laughs> Sounds bleak, yeah. but it could be very beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to place my pre order now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Soraya, what do you say we walk through these songs? Yes. So uh, for our listeners who very obviously got Charlie Drove North, um, one of the great things about the band is 
we get to hear a lot of different things. And in this album, especially, we're hearing a lot of different sounds and influences in this one. Let's start off with Sipping the Moon. To whom do I credit sipping the moon? That's, Vita that's, or John? that's me. That one's, that one's me. And speaking of Charlie, <laughs> right? Is this Charlie's mentioned in this song? Is this the same Charlie? No, you know what? I was I was ripping off uh, uh, Jethro Tull. <laughs> <laughs> I admitted it. Charlie, what's that? What's that song? What's that song? Uh, um, uh, locomotive breath. Uh, locomotive. The last used yeah, to play that live. By the way, speaking of being embarrassed, we used to do that live. Yeah. Uh, I love That's that a great song. song. <laughs> Joe and Old Teeth. Yeah, I just played a little yeah, keyboard yeah. behind it. <laughs> I, I was that's one of the only songs where I, I actually I really had a feel in mind that I wanted to go for just because we didn't have anything like that. And I started with uh, with uh, uh, that Flame and Groovy song, uh, Slow Death. And it's actually it's in the same key. So I kind of started with that and thought, well, how can I kind of rework that feel and it ended up being a lot slower and a lot different but um but that was so that was really conscious musically uh and then lyrically i never have any idea when i when i go in but it ended up just after tossing around some some uh lines it ended up being about um not the pandemic so much but about that year and just sitting around watching uh the world fall apart and not doing a goddamn thing about it yeah. <laughs> And that was what that was all that one was was really done in my head when we went in. There wasn't a lot of messing around with that. I remember going in and had the solo all worked out and everything was, was finished. Except for the background vocals, which I never have any idea about. And that's always all all Vetus coming up with that. <laughs> and first take, Jeff. First take, okay. Well that is the first take, yeah. <clears throat> but all the guitars. John reworked those, and uh, the vocal and uh, the melody line, the lyrics, all that was nailed down in John's head before he recorded it. So I was just wow. following orders. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine John. I, I remember seeing the um, "This Is It" the Michael Jackson movie. I think that's what it was called, and yeah. and Michael had everything in his head, and he was just telling everybody in the studio, "This is what you're doing." And he's not playing the bass, but he's like, you're playing this in his head. And I can just imagine John. All right, Vetus, you're doing this. John, <laughs> no symbol there. <laughs> Vetus, actually, Vetus is exaggerating a little bit because usually with the vocals, if, if well, Vetus sings everything so far, um, I'll put a scratch on it 
and the, the melody does get improved when Vetus actually goes in and sings. So, uh, you know, that it's, it's not quite as regimented <laughs> as, as it sounds. Um, but it also just depends on who's playing what, you know, and on that one, I just ended up playing everything. Great so, opening track. Fantastic. I don't think there's anybody else on there. Yeah. yeah. That one, there's no one but the three of us on this record. And a touch of Johnny Bell. Right. It sounds like more than that frequently at times. It sounds, it's just, it's a bigger sound than a three piece at times. And uh, I, I don't know how to, how to quantify that or, but you know, um, there's just a few of the songs sounds like it's, it's like four or five, you know, people playing just uh, a lot of layers to it. Yeah, there's overdubs of guitars yeah. and there's multiple vocal tracks. Right. Yeah, we usually end up with at least two guitar tracks and often three or four. And then there's a curious thing that happens where it's a song of mine and I come in with this rhythm guitar track and I try really hard to play it and I double track it. And then a few hours later, they play it back and they say, doesn't your guitar sound great now? And my guitar is gone. <laughs> it's that guy played it 10 times better than I can. Oh, those <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so that brings us to the next song, which is the title track, right? So the title track is in sequence number two, right. Year Gone By. Yeah. LA, wherever you Every corner of the globe Calamity and no remedy In the year gone by All of the notes, all of those roads They led to ear We didn't know what the skies would show And reveal in the year gone by Just ripped off of this thing. <laughs> this is what I'm listening to right now. That's backwards. That's nice. Anyway, <laughs> this record is awesome. Albert, Valencia, yeah, Albert King. And it's um it sounds a lot like where John Mayle got their stuff and where Peter Green tries to sing like has absolutely nothing to do with the other song that we came up with that has almost the same title. But it's like part two of what John's first song was about everybody sitting in front of their TVs and watching stuff fall apart. Mine is just Lamenting that the year gone by can't isn't that great, can't be fixed, but the next year is going to be better. And we wanted this to come out right at January 1st, but the re recording was finished in December. It just couldn't come out any faster than it did. And there's there's nothing profound in the lyrics, but it's a cute little song. Not strong enough to start a record, but it's the tag on to uh, Sipping the Moon. Hmm. So does this theme run throughout the CD? I think there's a few songs that stray from the theme. Um, just because they were songs we yeah. recorded uh, that had nothing to do with that. The one that obviously has nothing to do with Year Gone By is um, Long Grove and Rose. It's about the old Lyceum studio where John and I used to live and people would uh, do emergency landings with their Cessnas in the front yard. Um, that was kind of a wild experience living there. And it was just a recollection of that. It has absolutely nothing to do with the year uh, 2020. So it's an oddball, but most of the other songs, there's a few of them, especially the ending of the days, they're about 
you know, the year of pandemic and weird political strife. Yeah. So Howie, you're up for track number three. Um, okay, I'm, I, I thought it was two, I'm sorry. Oh, I think you um, were, I might have. <laughs> preempted Howie. But yeah, so I'm gonna kick it back to you because I, I didn't prep much for track three, so. Uh... Wait, what did, what did you have for a year gone by? Yeah. You know, pretty much what was already covered, which is just, you know, you could sort of feel the, the past year coming out in that song because um, it was it was just crazy for everyone and I, you said January 1st I, I want to start over on February 1st myself but uh, um, <laughs> no kidding. January, January felt like it was just trying to one-up 2020 but yeah. uh, um, the other thing about years gone by to me is um, I, as I listen to these songs, I've gotten into this habit now of going, okay, is this a Beatles song or is this a John song? Yep. Or is this a combo song? And I'm trying to predict it. And I think that's the first one I got right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that is a Vita song. So, so now I have to hone my skills as, as we go forward here as I can try and guess. But uh, I used to do that with the posies. Like, is this a John song or a Kim song? And I got really good at that with them. So now I have to... I'll have to hone my skills here, but I'm like, oh, got it. Posies are awesome. Yeah, those are some great. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it's it was fun growing up here and, and, and getting to hear them and well and still, you know, to this day, I guess that was uh, one of the last shows I saw before the pandemic started. So uh, but uh yeah, I was pretty excited to get that one right. But I just love the feel the whole feel of that song. Uh and uh to me you mentioned super fan so you know obviously I'm a, I'm a big Trotsky Icepick fan and some of the sounds on some of the the uh, tracks here really just kind of take me back to the feel of some of those songs as well um, which you know obviously to be expected but years gone by is probably more so than some of the others uh, and then the b-side on this single Thimble of Sun does the same for me too feels a lot like some of the uh, older Trotsky Icepick songs to me as well. That's why Thimble of Sun was relegated to a B-side, by the way, is because it's kind of a retread of Year Gone By, things that are already on the record. And the other thing about Year Gone By, the song, is Danny's drumming. At the beginning, he's just barely thumping on the drums. And then when he comes in full, for me, that is just like the release of all his tension in the first half. And then we get into singing about the, the next year is going to be better. And the drums are full and happy. Nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> good strategy and i i did want to mention howie um on the heels of you talking about being <laughs> your super fandom is uh we act the first time soraya and i met you face to face was at a danny and dusty i'm sorry a danny and the doorknobs show so yep, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah we so we'd conversed online in in the in the facebook group in the paisley underground group uh, quite a bit and uh and then uh, the last 40th anniversary show was announced with uh, Danny and the Doorknobs and the Zeros and the Alley Cats. And I'm like, mm. I got to go to that. So, you know, it's, that's a long trip for a show for me, but uh, bought my plane ticket and headed down there and, uh, and got to meet everybody, which was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty wild. And, you know, a bit of a dream come true to me to, to meet Vetus in person and, and to meet you guys. Uh, it was really, it was fun. really nice to get, you know, meet, my... get, to get to meet you there. Thank you for making the trip down. 
they made the day really good. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And Soraya grabbed a set list for me and mailed it to me. So. <laughs> Huh. I've got my momento. I, got, I have to frame that so I have something on that blank wall behind me. <laughs> and I think right after the show, didn't you head right back to the airport to get back? So it was I headed right back to the airport and went back. Yeah, I, I woke up uh, in the Seattle area and flew down there and went to sleep in the Seattle area. So. Oh, a jet setter. Yeah. One of the best photos was Howie protecting, holding like a small child the album. You were holding the album, weren't you? <laughs> I was holding the vinyl in my seat like you do with a baby on the plane trip back. <laughs> I, I didn't want to use the miles for a whole second seat for it. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Okay. So, so I, I guess I'm out for track number three. Sorry about that, Howie. We'll get back on. Make believe. Howie, do you have any guesses before we? Uh... Um, no, I already know. So oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I did, I did not guess this one. Right. All right. So John Vetus, make believe. Yeah, that's all Vetus's song for the old one from the last days. It was a song that was written while we were recording "Painting Smiles on the Dead Man," and I struggled with what the lyrics were going to be about, and I struggled with Joe Nolte uh, when we played the song live. He didn't bother to get all my lyrics. My lyrics weren't really finished. He was just singing gibberish. He would sing a different, you know, melody in the verse than what I intended. But it was a good song live. And it was about huh, a failed relationship. And it was sort of a, an allegory for what was happening to the last, which was that, yeah, you can tie yourself to the mask, but the whole freaking ship's going down. And that's sort of what <laughs> Make Believe is, is about. Is, at some point, you have to pretend. You have to stop pretending. You have to accept the fact that it's just not going to. It's a disaster. And uh, <laughs> so, in the end, when we redid it, I adjusted the lyrics a little bit, but there's still the original lyrics. It's still the original melody. And it was a good live song for the last. We tracked it once. It was a good version that the last recorded. It was a backing track. We never finished it. Um, and then we recorded it with Trotsky. And I played the Trotsky version for John here, and it was. No, let me fix that. And we started over and then when it was John and Danny, it had a different feel to it. It wasn't quite as driving, but it was much more forceful. It was a lot deeper. And um, I really liked the way it came out. Originally supposed to be 12 string and kind of clangy and have that sort of typical she don't know why I'm here kind of tone to it. But 
what we came up with playing with Danny was a cut above is better. I'm really proud of the version. I love it. Not so happy with my vocals, so it doesn't really matter. The color of that recording is just great. <laughs> yeah, it's a great track. So my guess that the ship gone down wasn't the former U.S. administration. No. It was. No. You're talking about the last, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 1980, whatever that 82, was. 82, 83. It's pretty yeah. clear that yeah. you know, there wasn't going to be. As soon as I joined, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think it was because of that fact, John. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what about track four, Contra Cupid? Can you relieve the strain? We wrote that together. I don't know how much we want to get into the details, but the the chord pattern, the arpeggios for John's. And I think I came up with the melody and I stole the concept of the song from my 17-year-old daughter, which is that you know, most of the things that she is hearing, reading, learning about relationships doesn't sound so good to her. Right. Whether you know domestic violence or just all these other things that through her young eyes she's seeing out there is that human relationships for the most part are not positive and she was asked to write a term paper and it's some english class where the professor thinks it's going to be wonderful to write about a superhero that they get to invent and her superhero has zero powers and he's a janitor and all he does is pick up the arrows that have gone awry that cupid has fired into people and ruined their lives and sent them into horrible relationships he goes around and he retrieves the arrows in the dark. He can't see anything. So anyway, that was her term paper. I just set it to melody and I figured it had to be very angelic and have things that would work with like a Renaissance painting of a mature Cupid and a mature Contra Cupid who doesn't get to shoot arrows, but just retrieves them. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I would buy that graphic novel. Absolutely. <laughs> totally, right? Yeah, no kidding. Tell your daughter, she's got a graphic novel yeah. idea. Oh, Perfect. she has many. I don't know. It's so great being around younger people that are thinking and analyzing things and see them differently than we have seen. Yeah. And, and Vetus, am I correct that she's done some help for the band with videos as well? She regrets it. Yeah. She thinks that video is the most embarrassing thing. She had a lot of fun <laughs> doing the, you know, the dress up stuff and lip syncing to it. And I just wanted it in there for just little segments. She tracked down those, uh, you know, the animals that were uh, whatever program, and we put that video together, the two of us, but she didn't want it to be on, on YouTube and have people see it. Last night, I played my <laughs> wife, Shannon, and my daughter, Liv, Contra Cupid for the first time. 
And they both were cracking up when they hear my voice singing. They find that to be really, really entertaining and hilarious. But, you know, it was just, oh, you know, Dad, you got it all wrong. <laughs> what are you going to do? We're fans of your voice, Vita. I did. Me too, so. All right, Howie, I'm not going to steal your thunder this time. Okay, so track five, the single, uh, The Lucky Couple. single off the record which uh, is great um what do you want to tell us about it well, that's another one where i wrote the chord structure and then vetus did the melody and lyrics um i don't remember anything in particular about coming up with those chords in fact i can't remember the song right now oh yeah i remember <laughs> that song um can't wait till we play it live yeah <laughs> 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 oh no, I remember that song. Now I remember. I, 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 was, I found myself playing these chords and, and wrote this whole song around them. And then I realized I completely ripped off that. <laughs> Who was that band? We did the, the, uh, 60s the Don't Look Back. Yeah. Who, don't Look Back. Um, who? Boston? Oh, no, no, no. Definitely no, not. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm like, I don't hear Boston no. in that song. Yeah. <laughs> Da, you know, da, da, da. we actually had that as an intro right. at, at first and we had to, and we dropped it so it wouldn't be too close but it, it, the rest of the song doesn't doesn't uh doesn't really f with who was it the remains yes. it was a remains song right From way back it'll come back to you instantly as soon as this little discussion yeah, is yeah, over yeah. you'll know it'll be at the tip of your tongue that's the way. But that's the way the song for me. That's the way the songs come up anyway. Usually, it's like two chords, you know, going back and forth. The same thing with Contra Cupid. It was just those first two, two chords. How often does that happen? I mean, you guys have been writing songs for a, you know many years. Um, I can't even count how many records, you know, and and how often does it come to you play a song? And you're like, oh, you know, you realize after you've written a song, oh, it sounds just like this. You know, does that does that does that come up a lot where you like you realize you've been subconsciously influenced by something and need to rework it's it? It's nauseating. I think the worst one that I ever did, I was really proud of a song called Light Another Candle and I brought it to Joan Ulti in 1975. And at the time we were working with this guy, Randy Meese, who was the singer in the Young Americans or whatever. And I brought in a song I thought would be great for three-part harmonies. And um, Joe Nolte said, that's great. 
you just wrote the sounds of silence. <laughs> happened a few times if you're, gonna steal, if you're, if you're gonna steal you might as well steal from something good i i, I keep uh rewriting my own songs that's my problem <laughs> <laughs> i come up with i just use the same chords over and over again i mean there's only uh, so many chords out there right yeah, that's true yeah that's true although we're trying to do something about that you know <laughs> getting back to this being the single this was a song that for, i think both john and i was just a song that we like that worked out fine but it was not one of the standout tracks whether it should be on the album or not wasn't really clear to us we we're trying to figure out what's because we we're going to be late because the press time it takes to make a cd what song to pick and you guys helped us pick that one because we were all set to do you know sipping the moon or whatever we thought that would be the strongest song but the reaction seems to be that the most memorable song on the record so far people are saying that the single was the right pick. the guitar intro to it just grabbed me too I, that, I mean it's just one of those songs where you're a couple bars into it and you're like oh this is great you know yeah. it's uh you know it, and it's really that that just that guitar lick that right right in the first couple of bars I'm like you know it just it just you grab it and you're like okay I already like this you know haven't heard any vocals yet and but but the the melody's got me so the vibe of the song is really good yeah it's a good follow-up to Contra Cupid because it's the story of a couple that totally <laughs> this relationship and leaves you know three orphan kids they both died so it's kind of a well it's another happy uh petrified man yeah. song <laughs> i i'm gonna urge anyone listening though you know if they're buying the album have not got the single get the single too because i think thimble of sun is is absolutely worth it as absolutely. the b-side i love that song so much and it's it's very different you know much slower um you know, mellower, kind of trippier song. Um, and it just, I just love the two together. So um, I don't know what it is about me and B-Sides, but every time I hear somebody single, I, I, I end up like the B-Sides, my favorite. I love Lucky Couple, but I'm going to play Thimble of Sun again. And uh, um, it's just great. You got to pick up both. Agreed. 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 Yeah. All right. So Showdown is the next tune. Shaking hands so Sounds like it could be like an ELO title or a Jethro Tull title. <laughs> or Boston. Or, or Boston. <laughs> I mean, the album title is embarrassing too. I mean, You're Gone By sounds like some granny's photo album or something, right? <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot, especially considering where we are. So, <laughs> so what's Showdown about? Wally did this. this I well, showed well not the words though, or the, the the melody. I just had that that funny, you know, I don't even know what to call it. The, the, that single note, that single note thing, and uh, it just gets played. Actually, you know, you, you the way we ended up recording it, you don't hear it, but I just played through the whole thing twice, and then uh, I guess just at home one day, I I started playing that little solo thing at the end. So it's, it's kind of just a weird little, little thing. But, you know, playing through that twice and, and Vita singing and having the drums through, 
um, didn't really work that well. So I think we just, I can't remember. I think Johnny just started like taking something out here and adding something back in there. And that's how it ended up with just drums, that kind of muffled drum sound for the first verse. Um, it was just trying to you know, make something out of this, this song. So that is that the 11th piece that made it from it? Yes, that is part 11. It shows up right in the middle of the record. And yeah. John came in with a working title of two-part disharmony, which for me was really uh, not, you know, because I'm in there just trying to figure out full harmony parts. What can we do to make this thing pop without creating an obvious hook, keeping it low key? And, you know, John shows up and says, this is two-part disharmony. And, so, oh, God. and then just that irritating riff. And then we have the drums recorded with some, Johnny Bell likes to put different mics up in the back of the room to catch different things that he can use to change the tonal quality of the room surrounding the drum kit. So they're not close mic drums. He wants a oh, wow. the room sound. And so some of the room sounds are quite different. So for the first verse, we just used some mic that isn't even on the room, you know, it's sitting over, it's plugged in, it's laying over on a piano on the other side of the, you know, the not in the control room, but in the main live room. And that's just the drum track that you hear on the first part of it. And it's just that, you know, Danny playing and me singing the first verse about someone that's not very comfortable with himself. Then all of a sudden it kicks in and it's just John's aggravated guitar and it becomes a harmony. And this person's actually really aggressive and really a nasty person. It's the other half of the personality. And then it goes to the Jeff Beck thing where the whole band just stops and the guitar player gets to do his showdown with the guitar. That's Anyway, two-part disharmony. I'm going to request now, if you could, in the future, either a song or an album titled Aggravated Guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I think Greg Ginn has already made that record. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Vetus, I wanted to ask you something uh, before we move on to the next song. Uh, as a, a recording engineer yourself, right, you've how is it stepping back and letting Johnny Bell take over when you know where to place mics, you know what settings to use, you know you know how to record stuff and capture a good sound, but in this situation, you're stepping back and letting Johnny Bell take over that role. How is that for you when you, when you know how to do it? <laughs> well, it's a lot easier when it's Johnny because he actually knows more about it than I do, and he really knows his studio. It's very difficult when you're in you know, a half million dollar studio recording, look again, and the engineer's an idiot, and the guy that's producing it doesn't even wanna be there, and then you're realizing everything's done incorrectly. When you're working with Johnny, it's really clear. I don't second guess it. I started, when we first went in to record some Trotsky stuff at the very beginning, I was like, how are you miking that? You're gonna make sure that bike mic is 100% out of phase. You, you got that figured out. And I quickly <laughs> learned that I would be way out of place saying that because this guy, is technical, he's the musicologist, he's brilliant and he makes it so easy for us. So I don't even look at what he's doing anymore. And I think just yeah. about the music, I don't think about the technical and it's because I'm so at ease with his ex amount of experience and his diligence, he's really on it. The guy's brilliant. That's great, I was curious about that. Yeah, that no, I, I feel so comfortable with him. And there were other engineers, uh, uh, there were one or two other engineers that were really cool. But then we had an experience at this place that uh, was called the music box. I call it the music sock. Well, it just smelled bad. And everything about it was bad. And we went in there and the idea was to record one album in one afternoon, play the record from 
when you put the needle down to pick it up at the end of side two, it was all going to be recorded in one straight take. And it was called Carpet Bomb the Riff. And everything was wrong with that. <laughs> you know, you know uh, whatever. Johnny, it's great. I don't have to second guess. Wow. Sounds like a Minuteman technique to, with that one, right? That was, yeah. I took the Minutemen, had their tunes down, and they worked with Ethan James, and they nailed it. They made some great records. We made a real clinker. There's some good, there's some good tracks on there. Yeah, but it's because of what was happening, like, it wasn't the band. <laughs> they just sound awful, but it was all the sound guys' fault in the control room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was. All right. So can we talk about uh, All Grove and Rose? Which has nothing to do with Year Gone By, right? True. <laughs> it could be years gone by because it, it's just lovely memories. <laughs> She found a hypodermic needle But she says you lost in her yard She's got a gun, she knows how to use it Keeps it loaded just for you That was, um, we moved out of a garage that Gary Stewart had rented for us on a street called Lyceum Avenue. And we bought, you know, we put our, pulled our stuff together and got a down payment to buy this horrible <laughs> house at the corner of Walgrove and Rose, right below the Santa Monica Airport. And we over soundproofed this garage with a storage room and that became the new Lyceum studio. And we recorded a bunch of SST stuff there and great memories, but the neighbors didn't care much for us. and. My, our roommate, Kel Johansson, was working as a city prosecutor, or he's working, you know, whatever, in the legal profession. And people would come with briefcases all the time to go over caseloads with him. And the neighbor across the street was concerned about what are these drugs going in and out of there? Who are these people, these colorfully dressed <laughs> people that are showing up at the windowless vans? You know, what's in the briefcase? We called the police. We found a hypodermic needle. I have a gun and keep it loaded. What's your name? What? Never mind. <laughs> um, so there are all those reactions and then there was the fact that the police would come to our house and want to set up a uh, call center to deal with the Cessna that had landed down by Penmar and spread its parts all the way up along the parked cars to in front of our house and the pilots always walked away from these crashes or there was one guy that was stuck in the fuselage and he said I'm fine I'm fine and the guy is selling it sells the ice cream at Penmar is up there selling ice cream to all the kids that are looking at the plane wreckage including the guy that you know, has finally climbed out just sitting on the curb waiting for things to, you know, took a whole day to clean up the Cessna wreckage. And that was a major thoroughfare, but there's, you know, splattering of Cessna and the power lines are down. So it's, it's a big scene right outside the studio. Boulder open rose. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Is that the same studio that my band White Glove Test recorded right. at? I don't think you guys had your session christened with a Cessna, but yeah. No, the studio. No. <laughs> I do have a quick story about that session, though, if I could take a, a little sideline. So yeah. I had gotten married to my first my first failed marriage um, a couple days before <laughs> that. And we had our honeymoon in San Francisco. And um, I was running late, um, which was often the case with my first wife. 
And so I was trying to get to the studio as quickly as possible uh, in my Toyota Supra, coming back from my honeymoon in San Francisco, trying to make it to Walgrove and Rose to make it to the studio. So um, it wasn't costing the band a lot of money by me not being there. And I look in my rear view mirror and I see red lights flashing. So I pull over and the, the officer says, young man, where are you trying to get to so quick? And I said, well, I'm on my honeymoon and I got to get to a recording studio to record. He said, I, to clocked jail. He yeah. said I, I clocked you in at 1.15. And he said, this is a felony because you're so many miles over. And he said, but um, seeing that you're, uh, that you're coming back from your honeymoon and that you're going to this recording studio, I'm going to, I'm gonna give you a ticket, but I'm gonna ticket you for 10 miles over so it's not a felony. So I made it there just, I think, just when I was supposed to be there, Vita. So that's my Walgrove and Rose story. Good one. Yeah, that would have fit right in, that would have fit right in the song, actually. <laughs> you do part two. All right. Yeah. And that song's all Vetus. I think. I think the only thing I did on that was the solo. I don't think I played anything else. Well, the bass, except for the bass. It was one of those songs where the words obviously came first, and just figured out what to put around it, and I would just throw my little chords to it. Yeah. The other good story about that house was that they had four daughters. The people that had remodeled that house over and over again. Nothing worked in this house. And the guy worked for the phone company. There was this big thing like a phone, a phone switchboard catch bay that was in the hallway closet. And we all wanted our own phone lines in that house. We called back then it was GTE. And the guy came in, you know, I said, it's all in the closet. And we hear him say, fuck, I thought this place looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and we met one of the daughters who'd become, I guess, a, a park ranger or something and she uh, self-medicated whatever the problem was but she showed up <laughs> at Christmas time and we had made our own Christmas tree by cutting down the pine tree that was planted in the front yard it was just right for a small <laughs> Christmas tree and she came to the front door and she was like what who cut down my tree because she was unaware yeah. that her parents no longer owned the house and she's like but where's my oh, dad geez. you know so that's the lone ranger it's the daughter that's a little <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Walgrove and Rose. Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay so track eight is right now my favorite track on the album. I've been listening to this like over and over again. Um, it's called Blue Skies Always. And I'm just going to say it now it's enchanting. <laughs> <laughs> Enchanting. I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of what this reminds me. It, it to me, I feel like some sort of '70s arena rock feel to this. Um, and I keep trying to think of like, what band does this remind me of? And I can't. And it's it's probably just a bunch of them jumbled together because I can't place it. But um, I could picture watching you like in 
you know, 1979 at the Seattle Center Coliseum with the place <laughs> packed playing this song. Sure. And, uh, and I love it. So, um, and then I just, I'm really curious, just as you kind of take us through the song, just about the little vocal snippets before and after, because you talked about doing these in one take. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm referencing that thing, it's enchanting, but uh, I love that part about the song, the little, the little voice before and after the song and, and kind of want to hear about that. <laughs> Well, that was just spontaneous, you know, Danny, uh, uh, you know, int introducing the song and then saying, you know, that it was enchanting afterwards. That wasn't, uh, I mean, that wasn't planned at all. It's great. Uh, it's just kind of thing, you know, you find, you know, you find later, you know, I mean, those kinds of things I don't even listen to. And then, you know, you come back the next week and you realize that somebody has said something. <laughs> And, you and Johnny has found a way to tweak it because it's recorded off the snare mic on the drum kit to try to make it right. sound like yeah. at least it was, you know, intelligible. But all the amp buzz and the rattling snares, everything's on that. So at the end, we said, that was enchanting. You hear all this bracket that wasn't in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I love those happy accidents that end yeah. up on record. Yeah, recording with Danny is really, really fun. Yeah. It's not just a musical experience. There's something about him. He's just... Yeah, yeah. He exudes fun, pleasure, and spontaneity. <laughs> How did the song come together? Uh, well, it was my chords. Um, yeah, you know, I think the first album was the same way, you know, where I had maybe four or five songs that I thought would work, and then three or four that I thought, I don't know, <laughs> maybe Vetus could make something out of this. You know, it doesn't really necessarily sound like it fits in. And that was one, and, and you know, it's not, too much like Black Sabbath, but yeah, it's, it, <laughs> you know, I was thinking of all the, you know, the bands that I listened to. I, I, I mean, I didn't go into it consciously, but to me, it's kind of like all the bands that I listened to when I was a dumb, you know, 13 year old. Um, uh, although I have to say, I, I do love the Paranoid album, <laughs> except for that stupid <laughs> Iron Man. I think it's just a wonderful record. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I was just thinking of that kind of stuff and then, you know, brought it in and it doesn't take any time to record something like that. So and just wondering if Vetus could make something out of it. And I was just, just really blown away when he came in with those, uh, with the lyrics and melody. Yeah, Vetus has some very unique melodies that I think um, really make any band that, that Vetus writes for stand out for sure. And this song is no exception. So the harmonizing on the vocals on the chorus too are just perfect on that song. That, yeah. That's really what kind of makes it for me too. It's just just the um, the vocals on the chorus. Just love it. Agreed. Yeah. So the spoken part, the top of it, I wanted to sound like folk, Fork in the Road by Neil Young. I know it's not one of his greatest songs and it, I think it's one of his funniest videos where he's there with a the little plug-in thing, plugs it into the Apple, and he's complaining about digital downloads or whatever it is. But it's the way that he does a Neil Young rap that inspired me to want to try to do something like that. It doesn't quite work. It doesn't fit with what inspired Wally's chords or whatever, but it added a certain breadth to the song. And the song really is just about being bullied as a little kid in elementary school. I mean, whatever. There's not much to the story there. It's just a certain sound and feel. There's a lot of just pent up anger that's hidden underneath all that. I, I love it. So one of the longest tracks is track number nine, Quentin's Stroll, um, clocking in over four and a half minutes. One of the... <laughs> wow, not your, not your normal pop song. <laughs> <laughs> 
how did this one come together? What was the inspiration for this? <laughs> uh, when I, I didn't play any music for 25 years or something. And when I started again, um, I'd been listening to a lot of surf music. I would have it on in the background when I was painting or whatever. And, uh, and so when I started, I thought, I, you know, that, that might be something I would want to do. So I wrote, you know, several songs and that was just one that was kind of hanging around. It was a little bit better. It, it, this, the songs weren't very good, but that one was, was, you know, fairly decent. So, um, so that's it. And it was really easy. I had all the parts worked out. So it was real easy to just sit down and do, you know, whatever. There are five or six guitars by the time you get to the end of that. Uh, and it was just all, it was all worked out. I did my own little demo of it ahead of time so that was that's all it was just a real quick quick thing to throw together so wally when you um record that many guitar parts do you switch between the guitars to get different tones yeah uh or or just pickups because that strat that's back there <laughs> uh hidden in the in the in the rack it's uh um it, that actually has a, t a, a 10 position selection instead of five the usual five on strat oh wow um, yeah, it's something they, they, they did for a while. Um, and I don't think many Strat owners really liked it very much because some, some of the positions are, are real muddy if you, just, if you just go to them from your usual settings. But if you tweak things right, they sound really, really full. So, um, so sometimes I'll use the, that guitar and just change the settings. It could be changed pretty radically. Or you change amps too. Like around, I've been recording tracks around here and I've got like five amps and, and so that can, that can make a big difference. I go from that, that <laughs> thing, which is a, a Vox style. It's a handmade amp, but it's a Vox style amp. And then it sounds real different from the, uh, the little Princeton that I have. Okay. So yeah, so usually when, when we double track something, we'll usually change something up. You know, and then the you know the Les Paul that's back there sounds even different. And then Johnny Bell has an old SG uh, in the studio. Um, it's actually a real old one. Is it a yeah. is it a sixty eight? That's earlier than it's that. Just a, oh Jesus, it's just gorgeous. And uh, and that sounds really different than anything that I have. Plus, it has um, the flexible neck. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know I didn't know this, but um, when you see Townsend. Uh, you know, kind of doing this. He said, I saw some interview. He said he would he would actually tune it out of tune, and so he could pull it into tune. Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's that's crazy. Which is, if you watch the, I, I watched Woodstock recently, and and he is doing that. And I guess he got sick of it and just threw the guitar. So he bends it into tune. He bends it. Yeah, into yeah. He would tune it just slightly out. So I guess it would give that sound where it's like slightly flat, right, yeah. and then. Up and yeah, down. and it allows him to release that. It's like a whammy bar when he likes tension off. But you know, he's bending that against his body the whole time, and then it's in, in tune when he, he can kind of feel that. You imagine how loud it is in front of his high walls. But he knows when he's in tune, and he knows when to drop it and to do crazy stuff, and they can bend it forward. And you can, wow. when you pick up Johnny Bell's SG, it's like, oh boy, I better you know, it's still like going to snap in half. Is this balsa wood? You know, but Wally can play the thing. I stay away from it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well you'd have to be careful i mean the first time the, the first time i played that i was pretty thrown um but you just can't manhandle it at all yeah. whereas at less paul you could just throw against the wall yeah <laughs> okay, yeah nothing's gonna happen to it except for the g-string yeah it's always about a tune yeah <laughs> for sure
Soraya, sorry about oh, that little No, music. because it's appropriate. <laughs> so let's let's hit track 10, get the guitar. And so after four and, a, four and a half minutes, we go to under three, get the guitar. Okay, so what came first? Words, arrangement, or melody? What? Concept came Concept. first. Um, this is about guitars, actually. It's inspired by a Blake Edwards movie, um, The Party. Oh. And there's an inebriated waiter in that that's staggering around in that indoor yeah, fountain in a modernist home. And Shannon and I, one of our favorite lines that we quote occasionally is that guy when he's told, you know, they tell him, get the guitar. And he's like, get the guitar. You know, and he goes over there Frankenstein mode to get the instrument. So uh, in the middle of the pandemic, we're not playing live, but I've, I've seen this guitar that I really want to buy. And Shannon and I are having dinner and adult beverages, you know, and I said, you know, I don't know, I'm going to try to sell some of my Fender crap and I'm going to buy this Rickenbacker 12 string. It's, it's been 40 years since I've owned a 12 string. I really, you know, there's this guy Wally that plays everything better than me and I, I can do the 12 string stuff again. I will really, and Shannon was like, get the guitar. <laughs> so it's, it's a love song and that's pretty much the summary of it. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I, lo I love that it's a love song. That's the ultimate musician love song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote it for my wife. I really did. <laughs> I swear, this is for you. Yeah. It goes, it, 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 it kind of works the same way around here, which is why there's. <laughs> That's the love corner yeah. over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the discussion in my house every time Bandcamp Friday comes up, and I'm like, okay, well, here's my list. Just get the album, okay? Get the guitar. Get the guitar. Get the guitar. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. All right, last track. So the days, oh, and here it beats Quentin Stroll here by two seconds. Uh, it's the longest track on the album here. It's four minutes, 33 seconds. All of the smiles are frozen in. brought this up when we've talked about some other things previously some other albums this is the perfect song to end the album on and just i'm always amazed at how well to put together some albums are just as far as the order of the tracks and you know sometimes you have a theme running through every track um sometimes some tracks not everything whatever but you know that first track on the album and that last track on the album are always kind of the most important for me as far as um, getting you into it and, and, and getting out of the album. And, uh, and I'm, I'm one of those people that tends to listen to an album all the way through most times rather than hitting a track here and there. So I love that feel of going through it. And this is like, it's perfect. There, there is no other song that could have ended this album. And it has that sort of moody feel again of some of the older Trotsky albums do to me or Trotsky songs do to for me. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I did not guess this one right on songwriting credit at all. So uh, 
I was like, okay, this, this pretty much feels like Beatus, but no. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, so take us through this one. Uh, it's just, writing was the same same as usual, you know, where I, I came up with one change that just that those first couple chords and then just followed it out from there. It's all just little uh, triad. There are no, I don't think I played any chords the way you'd normally play them. They're just all little triads and shapes that are, are you know, in, in, a, in a kind of a weird spot on the neck. Although the chords themselves are all just minors, majors and minors, there's nothing too too uh, whacked out about about it. And um, that's that's one where I, I did have an idea of what I wanted to write about, and it's just writing about times during the during the uh, pandemic. And so that's it. It's pretty pretty straightforward. And um, you know, a lot of what you end up hearing is really Vetus's contribution because the, the the melody that I wrote, I, all I had was the really, really basic melody, very repetitive. And so by the time Vetus got done, I think there are at least two vocals on it, even from the very start. And then by the time we get to the end, what do you have on there? Three or four, probably? Right. At least three. Um, and the dropout in the middle was Vetus. Vetus's idea and uh, the guitar running through the whole, th oh, and the piano that, that, that he added is, I think, you know, really, really key to the song. And the guitar running all the way through it wasn't something that we had in mind at first. That was just, I can't remember why we did that. <laughs> but, oh, I think, I think it was just like, oh, let, you know, let's add a guitar. And rather than drop in here and there, I just said, we'll just play it all the way, play the song all the way through. I'll just mess around. And we ended up keeping a lot of it. So that one really built up over over time. It feels almost a little bit lyrically and musically like it ties in to the title track to years gone by. And there's there's some some yeah. meshing in there that uh, uh, feels feels similar. But you know, again, because you hit years gone by, it's two tracks in, and then you hit this one at the last, and it's it's. Uh, uh, I just like the way they sort of play off each other thematically and lyrically. It had to be a longer track. It's a product of the studio. The arrangement was worked out on the recording, but it 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 is there to summarize the record and summarize being stuck at home, the stay at home order. There it is, the days at home. Even the cats getting annoyed with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with Howie. I think this is the per perfect way to end the album. Um, I'm a fan of sequencing, so I think you guys did a great job. I did want to ask you guys about the cover artwork uh brad murray's artwork here how did how did you guys come to use this for the the album's artwork uh we were just desperate we were it, i mean it turned out great i love that image but yeah, it's we just, great we had no idea what to do it's the same thing with the first album too um and so uh we were just going through images, and I think I think it was Vitas's idea to to maybe pull something from Brad's uh, catalog. He, he he posts on what is that? Please? Instagram, right? Out of it, it's Instagram. Instagram. Yes, he posts on Instagram constantly, and so you know, yeah, and so, yeah, there it is. And so, um, yeah, I think you know, we said, well, maybe we should use one of his, and I went through and picked out about eight or ten that were that I thought were strong and. It was just a kind of that process. So the line, did you guys go ahead? 
I was just gonna no, ask. No, go you, ahead. Do you I'm guys gonna grab a seat. Do you a know CD? Brad? Oh, okay. Well, I know Brad from when he was. He's about ten years younger than us. And for his birthday, he would be allowed to place long distance calls. I hope I'm doing this story justice because Brad's going to correct me on this. But his mother would allow him to call long distance from Florida to LA to talk to Keith Morris or to talk to Mike Watt. And for some reason, I ended up being on that list of prime SST guys. That's not whatever. But he called me on his birthday just to chat and say that he liked Trotsky Ice Pick. He's his younger kid, you know, he's 10 or 11 years old. And we kind of struck up a friendship and we've stayed in touch through all these years. And he ended up going into the graphics business for CD and record packaging and um, Imprint is the name of the company that he helped start and he works there and he's their graphics guy. But he loves photography, he's very, very good at it. And this particular image is an annual event where they put up a special colored lighting because the tortoises come, or turtles come on land to lay their eggs. And you're not supposed to go into this area and it has a certain color red light on at night and he captured a bunch of images of it. So for me, it seemed like, you know, you're gone by, hey, they're coming back again, that your cycle is over. That image <laughs> tied in with this very, very nicely. We had one other great cover image from Beth Kershaw, but she couldn't find the original image to have it rescanned to get the resolution that we needed packaging. <laughs> and it was just, it was really frustrating. And we loved her image. We really wanted it. She went out of her way to get it, but we, it just didn't work out. Brad, it's just like, you know, that image goes, this one, yeah, what resolution do you need? It's like, boom, he fixed it in a day and it was, you know, next album cover, we'll talk to you first, Beth. <laughs> Her photography is at yeah. least as good, but it just didn't work out. This one was just kind of meant to be, it just wanted to happen. It's gorgeous. And Wally, I think, do you have a box know. of them right there? Is that what you Yeah, have? yeah, yeah, I have a box. Well, because I wanted to show what, v I think it was Venus's idea and then Don Brown executed it. So, you know, we use that kind of square image in the, uh, for the online stuff, but the actual image, and if you, if you, well, I already screwed this up, hold on. So if you order the CD, it actually comes like that. Which I don't know if you, there you go. Yeah. It actually comes like that. Oh. And then it, and it opens up to the full image, which is that. Oh. Yeah. And you get lyrics this time. Like what style? And a band photo this time. Look at that. Yeah, there it does look like a fire hose thing. Like if, trying to read fire hose lyrics or. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very nice. Well, you guys, uh, once again, put out uh, a great CD. Um, Charlie Joe North made my top list for for last year, so I'm pretty certain that this will make my top list for 2021. And um, I'm really thankful that you guys were agreeable to coming back and talking to us and walking through the thanks, songs. Thanks for having us. Howie, thank you for participating too. That made it extra cool. Great. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I am just, I'm just here as a fanboy, thrilled to be asked. So uh, I, I'm <laughs> glad you had me on and uh, it was really fun. You bring a lot to the discussion. It's really good. Uh, thank you. And you I got to share a funny Facebook story with you guys while I have you here. I'm in a little group called uh, Northwest Demo Tape Society. <laughs> it's about as niche as you get, you know, people, and most of them is just people posting pictures of cassettes of, no idea who that is, but um, but there's some interesting Northwest bands in there. But somebody from a club in Spokane called One Two Three Arts posted like five pictures of boxes full of cassettes they had received from bands 
just trying to get gigs at the club. And I'm going through them, and there's two Trotsky ice pick cassettes in there. Never there's got a gig. And El Caban. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever remember playing at One Two Three Arts, oh. but uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was that. I guess that's that place that we played in Spokane. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Remember that? It was. It was sort of like a little. It wasn't an arts co-op, but it was this guy who had a. It seemed like he had the whole building, and he he had like artist studios. There were a bunch of kids hanging around. I the only part yeah. I remember is sleeping on the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was yeah. No, we got a we got a, we got a motel in in, uh, in Spokane. Wow, we blew all our yeah. capital in one night there. Yeah, exactly. We got a motel in Spokane, and we ended up at this bar where they were making beer behind a curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so the guy yeah the guy the guy talked us in drinking beers and then he brought us all around to tequila because uh, uh hunter crowley had, had made such a spectacle of himself when we came into the when we came into the bar in a good way hunter was always friendly uh, hunter always walked away from a gig with about 10 new friends oh <laughs> uh, we could do a whole show on hunter <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I remember that i remember that place really well wow it worked. We got that was fun. Yeah, I, you know, there's I don't know. There's not very many people in this group, and I'm like, well, Trotsky Iceberg. What's that doing in Northwest Demo Tape Society? And there you are. We were everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you know, Soraya, Jeff, the thank you for doing the little episode on Tom Stevens. That was really cool. It was really great that you guys did that. I love that that's up there, and we all feel the same. That was a tough one to do. Yeah. yeah. Great show. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. And so for our listeners, if you want to get Year Gone By, Bandcamp is the place to get it. Um, you can buy the buy it digitally or as we've seen, Wally's got a box of CDs. Right. So go to Bandcamp, look up Petrified Max, you'll find their first album, Charlie Drove North. The, the single. The single. Yeah, which Howie highly recommends for the B-side. And then, of course, the new release, which uh, was released just last month, January. Um, physical copies shipping out now. Go and get this now. Yes. You want this. You need this. <laughs> Agreed. All right, Vetus, Wally, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you. And, uh, Develop those seven songs and make it into 11 somehow. Oh, yeah. And we'll have we'll you back. We're ready for all of it. All right. On their upcoming album, Aggravated Guitar. <laughs> Aggravated Guitars. That's good. All right. Perfect. Thank you guys. Thanks again. So much. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks. you very much. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Take care. I love having uh, Wally and Vita San. Because I like hearing their process. Okay, but let's just let's just walk through some of the things they talked about today. Okay, so you know this album is it's a different sounding album. You can't deny that, and a lot of different influences, some stolen riffs, but um, okay. So uh, start out with something lifted from Jethro or influenced. By Jethro Tull, Locomotive Breath. Yes. Then Wally mentioned also the song Don't Look Back by The Remains. Yeah. I'm not. And then, that one. Yeah. and then 
you know, some small influence to Fork in the Road by Neil Young and the movie The Party by Blake Edwards, which it's a movie I really like too. So I'm all, oh my gosh. And I now I gotta go back and remember that part where they go, get the guitar. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I wanna watch it just for that part. <laughs> I like hearing them talk to talk us through the album because the story it's so cohesive this album from start to finish and i liked hearing them walk us through that process but jeff i'm still kind of stuck on the fact that each one of these tracks is a one take yeah yeah that really surprised me um i did not expect to hear that but um yeah that's one of the the cool things that I like about doing these and walking through these tracks and learning stuff like that because I would have never ever suspected that <laughs> that these were primarily one one recording songs first track and then listening to them talk about some of the arrangement parts I think I think I'm 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 taken aback by the fact that these were all first take tracks. Is the fact that they're uh, you know, Vita said there's nothing methodical about it, but it seems like they've really they put some time into the thought process of the execution, so that when they go in, Vita says you know we don't waste a moment, and we just go. And that, that to me is really interesting about how they work because it seems like once they've got the track in, they, you know, do a little bit of tweaking and then they're ready to go. And man, I love Vetus and Wally's energy about like, we want to play live. Yes. And like these tracks are ready to go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So, you know, I appreciate that about them. And then Anyone who, you know, anyone who's listening and has heard Trotsky before, you know the energy of Trotsky Ice Pick, right? Yes. And that's a that's a live band that like you you're just sucked in. Once they play, you're like, yeah, I'm I'm with you all the way. And Petrified Max, when they play live, I think it's gonna have I mean, when you listen to the albums. They bring you in and you're there for the whole, you know, all the tracks. But live, this stuff is going to kill. Yeah, I do. I definitely want to hear these live. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're going to be probably the excitement is probably going to be so built up <laughs> to be able to play these, perform these live. I can only imagine just that energy and excitement being unbottled or unleashed, right? right? So how we talked about them, there being a stadium show, you know, especially in reference to Blue Skies Always. And, and Wally said, it's not going to be like Black Sabbath, but uh, I bet that this, these live shows will be an unbottling of energy and excitement. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I mean, that goes for a lot of the bands that we know, like, and respect we need live music back and I'm hoping that we're going to see 
an earlier versus a later return to playing live music. But I have to admit, I do love the fact that um, that bands like Petrified Max and some other of the artists that we've seen and heard like um, take advantage of this time. They're giving me hope, right? That people aren't just sitting watching paint dry, but rather they're active and doing things and they're putting that energy into good use. And I mean, look at some of the people that we've spoken with, you know, even just shortly and casually, they said, oh yeah, you know, Rain Parade said they have, you know, Matt Pucci told us they have some new tracks coming. Uh, look at what's happening with Permanent Green Light. They've said they've got a single forthcoming and Petrified Max, you know, two albums during this time, plus a single. Um, Dream Syndicate, Steve Wynn, we've, we've seen artists do that. And I'm just really excited for Petrified Max. This is a, a great album. It's a really cohesive album. Um, and I love the fact that they're giving us different influences and different styles on this one. Absolutely. You know, this isn't just a carbon copy of Charlie Drove North. No. No, no. So I, I really like what they're offering us. And I loved hearing some of these, you know, bridges between, you know, different artists. <laughs> Is this thing on? Well, hello, my friend. No, we wanted you to be here for the end part. <laughs> and no, I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> no, you're telling you come back, get your guitar and come back. <laughs> get, get your microphone. Get your I'm microphone. Sorry. Get your mic. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, you know, we were just talking about one of the things that we 100% agree with you is that this is a really cohesive album from start to finish. And the story is fascinating. And then we were just kind of fangirling about the part that uh this is all first That's amazing. first track. First take track. First take on all these and there's songs. Some, you know, there's ridiculous. some other guitar tracks and vocals layered on and whatnot, but but first take, um, wow, what a great sounding album done in in one take. That's that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, that it's is almost yeah. to be expected with people with. I mean, they have such a long history. All these bands, all these albums they've put out, they're they're really good at this. And just when you look at their prolific songwriting, because we've had, this is our second Petrified Max album in a year. Um, plus you had a Trotsky Icepick mm -hmm. EP, you had a Trotsky Icepick album, you had a Danny and the Doorknobs album, all within two years. Uh, you know, they, they yeah. just keep writing and putting out great music. And, uh, and, I almost kind of expect them to go into the studio and have this down to a science. Go in one track sounds great. Layer on a couple guitar and vocal tracks, but uh, um, it's it's not too surprising that they can go in there and do that in just one take. Yeah, it actually surprises me just knowing how Vetus is, but um, I think uh, listening to what Wally was saying, uh, with at least with some of his basic tracks, it sounds like he really had an idea of what he was going for going into it. So I guess with that thought in mind, it it's not that crazy to have these first take 
recordings but um i just imagine vita's just sitting in in a studio just working and working and working them that's how i see it so it was that part surprises me uh about vita's and and these songs are great i mean this is another great output by the band and uh, yeah it's you know i i think you can almost kind of hear when you when they were talking to that on some of the songs that wally wrote that he kind of knew what Vetus would add to it, you know? And then the same thing the other way on the songs that Vetus wrote, that he knew what Wally would do with the guitar and and it, they had that in their head already and don't really have to do too much explaining, like, here's the chords I wrote and now you do something. They know, they just, it's kind of this chemistry that just happens and, and it comes out as a great song, you know? That's a good point. And I yeah. think that comes through as you listen to the tracks, you, you can hear that uh, camaraderie. And, and as you mentioned, Howie, uh, th these guys have been playing together for a number of years now. And that um, the, the collaboration, collaborative work really shines through, I think, in, in these songs in particular. You know, I mentioned the Posies because I've been listening to them since they put out a cassette made in their basement, which is a long time ago. And they've put out a ton of albums together. And it's, you know, for the most part, it's John and Ken. And over the years, I can listen to an album and I'm like, that's a John song, that's a Ken song. I'll always get that right. Um, they're very distinctive in how they write. But with Vetus and Wally, I don't know that I'll ever get there because they play off of each other you know what I mean that musically they're they'll write a song one of them will write a song or write the you know the bones of a song and then the other one comes in and they they mesh together so perfectly it's I'm like I'm never gonna get there to where I can like I'm just gonna know because they influence each other and and uh it's it's really interesting to hear the difference there in um they each can write a song, but when it's meshed together, it just sounds like what you get when you put the two of them together. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I don't care what Vita says. I love his vocals. Me too. Me too. Personally. Yeah. You know, I always call it like false modesty. And then like, you know, I was kind of giggling at what his wife and, and daughter had to say about it. But I like hearing <laughs> Vita on vocals. But Howie, to your point, you know, it seems that, you know, Wally and Vetus have this, you know, it's this re this interesting synergy where they kind of mesh one into the other into the other and the songs flow really well. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not even going to try and play your game, Howie, because I will lose yeah. every freaking time. I'm coming to accept that I'm going to lose most of the time there too. But uh, it's still fun to try. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's... 100%. But this is a great album. And uh, one of the things I was telling Jeff was what I like is that Petrified Max isn't afraid to show us where their current influences are at the moment. So Charlie Drove North and Year Gone By, two different albums, in my opinion, showing us very different influences. And, you know, I was telling Jeff, I said, listen to what they told us, okay? Uh, locomotive Breath. Jethro Tull, Don't Look Back, The Remains, Fork in the Road, Neil Young, and then the Blake Edwards movie, The Party. I mean, you, we just hear a lot of different things. And Black Sabbath, Paranoid. 
Thank you. <laughs> Missing from my I list. I was trying to name, like, who is this 70s rock sound I hear there? Okay, Black Sabbath, that's it. There you go. I like that about them in that, you know, okay, the, or uh, the Albert King album also was that uh, Vita showed us. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm listening to and here's what's, you know, here how that brought me to here. I like hearing that. Yeah, and take all those things and throw them into a blender of pandemic, <laughs> pandemic mists and a year gone by. I think the next year or two, we're going to get a whole slew of post-pandemic albums from people, you know, themed. What it's it's, it's going to be interesting to hear all of, all of it that comes out. But this is like the first one for me where it's like, okay, year year gone by. I I know where I'm going with this record already from the title, and right. uh, and uh, you know, everyone has their own pandemic story, but uh, this uh, I'll, there's a lot of commonalities for sure to them, and uh, this uh, this record you can feel it in those songs. And Howie, what do you think? I was telling Jeff, after listening to this album, you know, the three of us have heard this album, you know, a few times by this point. This album is going to kill live. Yes. These songs are going to absolutely rock it. Well, uh, you know, I mentioned I've been playing Blue Skies Always a lot. So, you know, so I, I, I just said, I'm, I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. I play the album all the way through and then I go back and I play Blue Skies Always five times in a row. You're allowed. <laughs> I want to hear that song live. Just, I mean, the chords, is, you know, okay, let's rock. And then you hear the chords and I'm like, okay, let's right? rock. Let's do this. And uh, I want to hear that. Hear it. You can hear it in their voices. They are so ready yeah. to take this show on the road. We've got to get back to live music soon. Oh. I, I'm, I'm holding on. I'm holding on to hope that we're, that we take that turn because so many artists that we've shared on this show and talked about have new music to share. So you know, I'm thinking about this post-pandemic reality. I think it's gonna be. I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty music rich. Yeah. <laughs> At least an artist that we follow. But um, I love hearing that Petrified Max, that uh, Wally and, and Beatus, that they're not just sitting and waiting, but they're really kind of taking the moment and um, giving us. And then the fact that Wally's got seven more songs yep. and he just kind of like said it nonchalantly. Oh yeah, I got seven. <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's three quarters of an album. <laughs> three more and then we're set. That's, I uh, love it. But, but plus then they talked about all the other stuff they were working on, on, on working on the old Trotsky tapes and the, the, the last songs that were unreleased. And I'm like, holy cow, how much music are you guys going to put out here in the next few years? Uh, it's it's going to be pretty rich. And, uh, and then hopefully on the road and we get to hear some of this stuff live. Yeah, I tried to contain my excitement on that part, Howie, but thanks for calling me out on. <laughs> well, I saw Howie's, Howie's uh, face too. I think we're all sitting there going, but we're all guilty. What? <laughs> all right. So, Jeb, Jeb, quick, pinky swear. Pinky swear. Come on, Jeb. Okay. Pinky swear. So, when Petrified Mass goes up to the Pacific Northwest, we're coming to you, Howie. Please. Okay. Please. We're going to come hang out in your backyard. 
Absolutely, you must. We put we pinky swore on it. I'm there. I am there. So me, Jeff, and Chris, we're coming up. We're gonna come up, and then we'll we'll all. I don't know. We'll have a. <laughs> we'll drink beer with uh, Petrified Max, the beer brewed behind a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> I like I that know. story. I don't know if I want to go over to Spokane for this. Let's do this in the future. No, show. no, no, no. Yeah, but so. let's hope it's it's somewhere uh, near Seattle. Neighborhood. I've, uh, Seattle. I, I will continue to try and get some local radio airplay. Uh, uh, you know, I've called in every favor I can here with local DJs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to get some uh, music played on the air here. And uh, yeah, I don't. I've been uh, helping out a local organization called the Washington Association of Nightlife and Music. Some I'm, I'm messing it up, but it's called Wanma, and it's it's just a trade group of all the local clubs. Um, in the Seattle area, the Tractor and and Numos and um, uh, Clockout Lounge and you name it, all the local clubs where everybody goes to see bands here. Um, and one of the last shows I saw was Dream Syndicate at the Tractor. Um, and they have no, you know, there's no money, there's, there's no income, and they have leases and they have electric bills and they have you know skeleton staff they have to pay and um, and it's getting pretty dire. Uh, unfortunately, the national bill finally passed recently, the Save Our Stages Act, so that's going to help everybody across the nation, but there's thousands of places that need to benefit from that funding. Um, so the local group raised money, and uh, I worked with them and uh, my workplace, and we sold their apparel and face masks and stickers in our stores, and we raised a little over 10 grand for the local venues to help pay the bills. That's just from my stores, let alone all the other donations. Um, so it's great, it's great to see all the clubs banded together. And so now there will be a place for Petrified Max to, places for Petrified Max to come and play locally. So. Oh, Hallie, forgive me, would you mind um, sharing with us, is there a link? Uh, yeah. still looking for, you know, just individual donations? Yeah, the local, the local uh, link is keepmusiclivewa.com. So K-E-E-P. M -U -S -S -I -C. Music I'm sorry. Keep music alive. Keep wa. music live. Wa.com. Got it. We're going to share it on our page. Cool. And um, here in California, a number of individual venues have been also, uh, have been, all, thank you so much, um, have been also uh, raising funds and like in Northern California, um, the Starry Plow has done their own and you know i've donated to their campaign personally but yeah if wherever you are across the globe because we do have international listeners too um support these venues and when they're looking for help um i think as fans and listeners and music buyers you know that we need to keep these places open mm -hmm. so that um, we have places to go to because lord knows We've got, we've got time to make up now. Yeah. We've got events to make up. Yeah, There will be a period but, of time uh, where there's going to be two stamps on my hand every day, you know? Please. Yeah. Please. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, we're just going to have them all up and down the arm, you know, and then going to a tattoo parlor and just say, please, it needs to be here forever. Yeah. But Howie, we can't thank you enough for joining us today and uh, celebrating 
this new album. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks for sharing keepmusiclivewa.com. Yes. We're going to help uh, share the word. And uh, all right, Howie, you ready to come back and talk about the, what, what is it, the last Trotsky and anything else? Aggravated right guitar. I am, I, I am so excited for these Trotsky albums to get uh, reworked and re-released and my my CD of Baby is very beat up, and I've tried to restore that thing to a playable status, but it's not quite all there. So um, uh, I am very looking forward to that stuff getting rescued, and that's that's a that's a great story. I really want to hear that too because of of all the damage those tapes went through, and um, yes, most people I don't think have any idea about everything that happened there, and that's that's quite a story that those are even salvageable. Leave it to Vetus. Yep. Yeah. Howie, you take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on to, I don't know, talk about another Petrified Max album or talk about The Last or talk about Trotsky. Who knows? <laughs> but take care of yourself. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. I should really leave now, right? Yes, <laughs> now you can. <laughs> All right, Jeff. I think I think uh, it's time for us to put an end to this. But yeah, go get Petrified Max. You're gonna. You will not regret it. Get it. All right, mi gente, agarruiar. Groove on, Paisley people. Howie. I was hoping that Howie would stay, but um... let me see if I can get him back I, because I wanted to do some final processing with him. Yeah, that would be great. Uh... Click, 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 and they were gone. I was, I was going to say, Howie, don't go anywhere, but. Uh...